Turn over to Mark chapter 11. We've been on the subject of faith. How many of you realize that faith is the key to receiving from God? I mean, thank God for faith. If we, had to, if we had to equate it to something or try and give it a natural term or try and give it a natural explanation, we would say that faith is the currency of heaven. It's the currency of heaven. If I were to go down today to, to, uh, to the Walmart and I walk into the Walmart, the Walmart is going to want me to exchange for the goods that they have in there. There will be an exchange that will be made. And so when we go in there, they'll ask us for something, and there's, there's a currency that will be exchanged. I'll give them something. They'll give me something. There's a currency of exchange. Now, we know that grace is God's unmerited favor. We know that grace is God's gift to us. It is, it is God's uh, giving to us. But something has to receive what grace provides. And faith receives. Look at somebody and say, faith, faith. receives faith. what grace provides see here by faith by grace are you saved grace being the provision thank God for the provision by grace are you saved through faith we receive salvation by faith in the grace or the grace that's been given to us the gift is given and everyone has the ability to receive that gift everyone but faith is what receives it we receive by faith. So faith would be the currency of heaven. And so in this passage, Jesus is going to give us what, is considered, what I consider to be the, one of the greatest lessons we could ever learn concerning the, the issue of faith and how faith works. Many people starve in their lives and, and don't receive and never, never achieve what they want to achieve. They pray like crazy. They even fast. They spend time with God. They live lives that are fasted. They live and experience. But their life never seems to measure up. They never seem to come up higher. And even in my own life, I've experienced times in my own life where there was dry spots and spells where, where I needed things to happen and things to occur. But I want to talk a little bit about how to get past that. How many know we're coming out? Look at somebody and say, you're coming out. She said, see, today people may be laughing at you. Today people may be ridiculing you. Today people may, may be saying things about you. About, maybe you're in a tough spot. You're in a tight challenge. You're in a situation that's almost seemingly embarrassing. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? And, and, and you want God to bring you out. You want to get out. I got news for you. The Bible says you're coming out. Look at somebody and say, I can have everything God said I can have. I can do anything God said I can do. And I can be anything God said I can be. That's what God told, he told us that. All the promises of him, of God are yes and amen. So we have the rights to these things. When we're born again, we're part of the family. We've been locked in. We've been, we've been, we are now uh, part of his family, sons and daughters. And so uh, uh, there are times that we're challenged. But this is showing us a mechanism of faith. And last Sunday night, I dealt with the issue of speaking to your lack and cursing your lack. And Jesus had come to this tree in Mark 11. And, and I'll just read it. And this is just to, just to, to, uh, to uh, reacquaint us to, what, to where we're going. And Mark 11, starting at the 11th verse, says, Jesus entered into Jerusalem and into the temple. And when he had looked around about at all things, and now the eventide was come, 
He went out unto Bethany with the twelve. And on the morrow, when they were come from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing a fig tree afar off, having leaves. Say leaves. Leaves. And if happily he came to it, if happily he might find anything on that tree. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves. Say nothing but leaves. Nothing but leaves. You see, the leaves of the fig tree, from what I understand, either come after the figs, some figs show up before, or during the leaves. The, the figs, the fruit of that tree will arrive during the leaves when they come on the tree. And so when Jesus saw the tree with leaves on it, his full expectation was that what, remember this is God we're talking about. That he created that tree, and he created that tree to produce fruit. He created that tree, and not only fruit, but think of it this way. When he got to that tree, he had created that tree for provision. He created the tree to be a provider so that he could eat off of it. It was supposed to, first of all, you know, when we, when we look at this, the Bible says that Jesus spoke to the tree, and, or it actually says that Jesus answered the tree. I always wonder what answered the tree meant. Jesus answered the tree. Well, he answered the tree because the tree was speaking. You may not realize this, but he answered the tree because the tree was speaking. What was the tree speaking? A lie. What was the lie? God created it to be fruitful. God created it to have figs on it. God created it for provision. Because it didn't have any provision, that's a lie. What does the Bible say? My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in glory. See, that tree was lying. Jesus didn't just speak to the tree. He answered that tree. Because it was not doing what it was intended to do. Look at somebody and say, God answered the tree. You look it up if you want to. That's what it says. But see, as we go along with this, Jesus, uh, when he comes to that tree and speaks to that tree, he's not only de 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 declaring to that tree that it's never going to have fruit again, but his expectation was that it would have provision when he arrived. And when it had no provision, he cursed the tree. But he wasn't really cursing the tree. He was cursing the lack that existed. He spoke to the tree and said, you are a lie. And you don't have a right to exist because you are not a provision for me. And I tell you today, like I told them Sunday night, we have the right to curse lack in our life. Amen. We can curse lack. Matter of fact, you better curse lack. Amen. You need to speak to the mountain that is causing lack in your life. If things are deficient, if there's errors or areas in your life where you're coming up short, God intends for that fruitful tree to provide fruit. The things that are in our life. The word of God is clear. We're supposed to have the blessings of God come upon us and overtake us. Look at somebody and say this. The blessings of the Lord will come upon you and overtake you. I'm going to demonstrate like I did the other night. Richard, get up and get up behind me. The blessings of the Lord will come upon you and overtake you. Stay behind me. As I'm walking, I want you to pass me by. The blessings of the Lord will come upon you and overtake you. Now you're 
chasing the blessing. So that the blessings are ahead of you. That is God's intention for us that we're not always trying to get the blessing to us, but sometimes we're supposed to be, or we are in our lives, to the point where we're supposed to be going after, or, or the blessings are ahead of us, where the provision be, is already in front of us, not behind us, not trying to get it up to us, but provision exists before us. That's why the scripture says, cast your bread on the water, in many days it'll come back. Because what they used to do as a nomadic people is they would be upriver. And they would take the seeds, they would cast it out onto the waters, and the water would flow downstream. And six months from now, when they left this place and traveled to this place, the seed had taken root down here, and, and, and their crop and their provision had already been provided because six months ago, they had already planted the seed. The provision of God is not to be behind us. The provision of God is, my God shall supply all my needs. Somebody ought to shout in this room. So God wants us to walk, walk in, walk in, walk in. The path is already set. The stuff is already there. When I get there, it's already arrived. When I get there, it's already been set. When I get there, the provision's already there. When I get when I, when the need arises, when I need help, by Jesus stripes I'm healed. I've prepared myself and prepared before me a table. I've set the place ready. I've gotten it up there before I ever got there. I don't wait till I get there to get the miracle. I get the miracle before I ever get there. I gotta have it before I get there, so that we start walking in divine prosperity instead of trying to get a divine miracle. I don't know about anybody else, but I've been preaching to myself as much as I've been preaching to you. I know that God wants us to do more, that God has a bigger plan, that God has a larger, uh, a, 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 a larger place for us to fill, and that God wants to see, he's out for his harvest. I wrote this the other day, God wants to empower us. God wants to empower us to expand and extend his kingdom. Say this with me. Say it out loud. God, God wants to empower me to expand and extend his kingdom. Let's say it again. God wants to empower me to expand and extend his kingdom. Look at somebody else. Find somebody in the room and say, listen to me. God wants to use you and empower you to expand and extend his kingdom we're not here to have a bigger boat god don't mind me having a bigger boat but that's not my purpose we're not here for a bigger house god doesn't mind me having a bigger house but that's not my purpose that's not what i'm empowered to do Listen to what Deuteronomy says. Deuteronomy 8.18 says this. But thou shalt remember the Lord your God. For it is he that giveth thee the power to get wealth. It's him that empowers you. It is God that, in, that thrusts you forward. It is God that is the provision. Many people in this room as I go forward in this message. I hope that you'll understand what I'm saying. That there are many of you today, I, I've read story after story of people who had prayed in their lifetime. 
And they prayed and asked God to do something. And they prayed and said, God, will you do it? And they thought that God didn't answer the prayer. They thought that God didn't provide. But you are where you are and you're alive today. I was driving down the road just yesterday. And as we were coming, we were all in the car coming down right around my house. I decided to take it a little slower. I had it in my spirit just to slow down. So I was driving about 40. And normally I'd be doing 65 maybe. Something like that. I wouldn't tell you where. I shouldn't be doing 65. Amen. And there were no police around. But I was doing 40. And out jumped four deer right in front of my car. I was able to stop, let the deer pass. God kept me. He empowered me. He provided for me. He kept me safe. He kept. See, I don't want to fix my vehicle. I don't want to pay for all that. I don't want to go through any type of medical issue. I don't want no deer coming through. I remember when I was younger, Amy, I, I let Amy borrow my car. And I was doing a Christmas practice, and I had all the youth in, and in Lakeland. I, I, I used to do the youth music and all that in Lakeland. I was a music director in Lakeland at Family Worship Center, and I had the youth in there doing a practice, and Amy had my car. We weren't even married yet, and I had just gotten the car. It was a brand-new Saturn, and back then, that was a hot car. <laughs> Y'all remember when they came out, you know? And I went and got me a blue Saturn. That thing was nice, beautiful little car. And it was the, really, it was the first car I'd ever bought you know, from a lot or whatever. I had bought one from my sister. I took over her payments one time, and but I didn't buy it. I didn't choose it. I but this one I bought. I, I remember. I can't remember what I paid for. It's like twelve or fifteen thousand dollars. I don't think you even get a car for fifteen thousand dollars now. But I remember I got this car, and I and well, you might. I don't know. Can you? Yeah. Is it a Hyundai? Is that where you go? No. no. Kia. Kia. Is that where you go? Kia. Amen. But I mean, I. You know, I. 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 I so I let her have this car. She comes in. It's, it's about 8 o'clock at night. It's been raining outside. She comes in to the, to the sanctuary. And when she walks in, uh, you know, she's wet. She's just wet. And, uh, and, and I'm thinking, what's wrong with her? So she's sitting in the back kind of with her head down, a little tear rolling out every once in a while. I'm thinking, something's wrong. And so I walked over to her. And, you know, she's like, um, 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 um. I said, What's wrong? You didn't wreck my car, did you? I probably should ask her what was wrong with her, but I was worried about the car. And, and so, so I what's wrong? Did you wreck my car? And she started bawling and weeping. And I thought, oh, man, what did she do? So I go outside. She says, come with me. She takes me to the back of the youth room where she is parked and she's hiding the car. And we get up to the car and there's a big dent in the hood. The window shield is smashed out and the front seat of the passenger side seats all mashed in. And, 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 and then she tells me this story. She was driving down the road. The car in front of her hit a bull. The bull flipped up in the air and landed in the passenger seat next to her in the car, sitting down. Jumped up out the car and jumped out of the car, but left my car trashed. So now I don't know. And she didn't even stop. She drove on to the church. She didn't even wait for the police to come or nothing. She didn't call him, but I had to go back and figure out what to do, you know. But you just don't know what could happen to you in your life. You just don't know what turn, what corner. I'm amazed sometimes at how many people can't see the hand of God in life. And how God is all along the way. You married this one and you had this child and this business opportunity. And you bought this stock and you had this situation. And some of you may not be living on easy street today. And you not, might not be a millionaire. But I tell you now, if you'll stay with the word of God and stay in faith, nothing is impossible to him that believes. All things are possible.
I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I am able, I am well able because God equips me and God helps me and God restores me and God picks me up and God is there when I need Him. Wish somebody shout out at this place. Jesus is telling us we can curse lack in our life. And many of us today are simply allowing lack to stay. We've become tolerant of the fact. We've allowed, many of us do this in our lives where we become used to it. We just become passive about it because it's okay. I'm not really hurting. I'm not really in pain over this. It's not really a terrible situation. And so I can live with this. Folks, I don't think we ought to live in anything that God didn't say we ought to live in. We're living beneath what God wants for us financially. We're living beneath what God wants for us in our health. I tell you, I'm on a diet. Tired of being fat. I don't know about y'all, but I had enough. And I've decided this is the last diet I'm ever going on in my life. I don't like diets. I don't ever want to diet again. This is the last one. I'm going to get it off and I'm going to keep it off. I come, I'm professing it. Y'all, I done come to the point where I done had enough. The Bible says the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violence. I've already lost 14 pounds and I'm headed on down. I told you that this morning because I want you to hold me to it. Amen. I, I'm, I'm looking for some accountability here because if I'm going to speak faith, I ought to live faith. Amen. Somebody say amen. And I curse this fact. In Jesus' name. <laughs> I got a right to curse lack. Look, somebody say, curse your lack. Think about where you're at today. Think about lack in your life. Think about the things the devil has stolen from you. Think about the areas of your life that have been held captive and that the devil has managed to, to keep you from being what you, what you are meant to be. Going into what God called you to become. You are empowered by God. God said it. You are empowered by God to expand and extend his kingdom on the earth. You are the extender. You are the one empowered to extend and expand the kingdom. You are an expansion force. You are the, you are the combine. You are... I'm looking at a bunch of builders... I'm looking at a bunch of construction people. I'm looking at a bunch of people who can, who can finance. And, and, and you are the ones that God has called to expand and extend the kingdom of God. You are the ones that are to harvest the harvest. You are the ones that are to go out and fill heaven with the glory of God, with all the people on the earth. You are the one God called you to go into the highways and the byways and compel them to come in. And God will use you to do it if you'll allow him to cause you to prosper so that you can expand and extend. Yes, Lord. Yes. You weren't created to sit in church and just worship. You weren't created to just sit here and raise your hands on Sunday. No, God wants to empower you to prosper. He wants to add blessing to your life. Oh, I'm preaching real good right now. God wants to fill you with finances and riches and wealth so that you can expand the kingdom of God, so that buildings can be built and campuses can be built and so that people can be saved. And so... At what point will we really come to realize you're where you are today. God was good to you. God had kept you. God has watched over you. And so you can, you can curse lack. 
you can curse lack in your life. And you need to curse it. Every day you need to speak. And Jesus went on to tell us in Mark eleven twenty three, You shall say unto the mountain, Be thou removed, plucked up, cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in your heart. But believe the thing you shall say shall come to pass. You will have whatever you say. And when you pray, believe that you receive it and you'll have it. What a force prayer is. What a power prayer really is. Prayer is amazing. It's, it's incredible what prayer can do. It's incredible what prayer can do. God has given us powerful forces, powerful weapons to achieve everything in this life. The sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. He gave us powerful weapons. He gave us prayer as a powerful force in our lives. We said there are four things that you have to have in your faith life. Four basic elements. We said they are speak your faith. Act out your faith. Receive your faith. And tell your faith. How many believe God actually does want you wealthy? Well, that was about 30%. How many of you believe that God wants all your needs supplied? What needs do you and I have? Today, you may be sitting in this room and say, Pastor, you don't understand. I'm wealthy. I'm doing really good. I'm, I'm provided for. I've got, my, I've got my retirement secure. What about your health? What about your emotions? What about your children? Amen. All those things are needs. And then the other need that's most important, in my opinion, is the need for the kingdom. You know, the Lord said this to me the other day. He said, Steve, you're not trying to build a big church. You're trying to build my kingdom. We're not trying to build a big church. Our, our goal, and I, I was thinking the Lord, as I, I remember a few months ago, or, uh, I was sitting and the Lord said, Steve, you have to decrease so that I could increase. And he began to show me, your life is a glory to God. You are here to extend and empower and expand the kingdom of God. If you haven't realized that and all you do is go nine to five to work, you've missed out on what you're really here for. Nine to five is only a provision so that you can help expand and extend the kingdom of God. Your bank account is only an extension so that you can expand and extend the kingdom of God. Your house in the neighborhood kept up and looking nice is only an extension of God expanding and extending His kingdom on the earth. The car that you drive is an expansion of God's kingdom to extend and expand the kingdom on the earth. You can't settle for where you are. You can't just say it's okay. I'm all right. And when you become that person, that is the person that God has called you to be, the one to extend and expand the kingdom of God on the earth, then God will begin to pour into your life like you've never seen in your life. How does He do it? How can that happen in my life? How, how can I make this happen? How can I walk into this? See, today, Family Worship Center should be full. Every chair should be absolutely full because we have used the influence that God has given us. We've used the resources that God has given each and every one of us. We've gone out into the labor force where God placed us. You're not where you are by accident. The grocery store that we shopped in, I never miss an opportunity. 
Folks, I never miss an opportunity to tell someone or invite someone into the kingdom of God, into this church. I never miss the opportunity when God opens a door for me to talk to someone. I always, everywhere that I go, I look for that moment. I'm always on ready to answer the questions or, or to speak life into somebody. I'm always in a position to say, hey, I know where you can go. I know where you can go. Hey, I know where you can go. Hey, why don't you come to Varsity on Thursday night? I mean, anything I've got to do to invite them in to the presence of God. I'm always on go because God has shown me. I'm here to expand and extend the kingdom of God on earth. Look at somebody and say this again. You are here, are here. To, expand to expand and extend, and extend the, kingdom of God the kingdom of God on earth. So we can see that God wants to answer our prayers. And the reason he wants to answer our prayers is so that he can, he can grow and we can decrease. So that we can point to heaven and say, I didn't do this. It isn't me that got this wealth. So we can always point back to heaven and say, he did it. It wasn't my world class voice. It wasn't my supernatural talent. It wasn't my charisma, my ability to speak, my business acumen. No, God. God helped me. God helped me do it. God helped me make it. Some of you may not have even made it out of the womb if it hadn't been for God. Some of you even know who I'm talking about. Some of you in this room could say, yeah, my mom told me I was supposed to be dead. But I came out alive. When I was six, I choked on an apple. Some of you might be saying that in here. Something happened to you. You might, somebody, they dropped you in a tub and forgot to get you out. I want to tell you a story. Listen to this story. In 1874, in Hyde County, North Carolina, there was a small group of believers that decided that it was time for them to have a permanent building, a church, that they would hold their services in. The church committee had picked out a perfect site that they wanted to build the church on. It was in the heart of the town, on the highest spot in the village, and after lots and lots of prayer, they approached the owner of the lot, a man by the name of Sam Sadler, and they asked if they could purchase the land, but Mr. Sadler said, he would never sell it. Through the disappointment, the congregation went ahead and accepted another offer in town, a property in the town, as a gift given to, to them by someone. They began construction on their building, and it took over a year to construct the wooden structure set on rock piers. And even before it was finished, people began to worship in it. Just before they dedicated their new church building on September the 16th, 1876, a huge storm swept the community. Rain fell and wind blew. The wind was so fierce that the tide rose so high that the force of the water moved the little building off of its foundation. It began to float down the road. It went straight down the road to a corner and bumped into the general store. The building took a sharp right turn and floated about two city blocks until it reached the corner of what is now Church Street. Then it moved slightly off course. 
and took another turn to the left and crossed the Caraway Canal and eventually settled. Guess where? Right smack dab in the middle of Samuel Sadler's property. Mr. Sadler was so convinced he had seen the mighty hand of providence and God's work that he sold the land to the church until this very day it sits. Providence United Methodist Church of Hyde County, North Carolina sits on Sam Sadler's property. Why is it sitting there? Because a God of the impossible can make all things possible. And prayer. And prayer will change circumstances. Prayer will make a difference. A church that prays has power. Sadly today, churches don't pray anymore. But one of the cores of the church needs to be prayer. We can find this in Acts. Let me read a, a wonderful story to you. And I'm gonna, I won't take just a few more minutes, but listen to this wonderful story in the book of Acts. And it's found in Acts 12, verse 1. And if you want to go over there on your iPads or your different devices or even on the screen. Acts chapter 12 verse 1 reads this way. Now about that time Herod the king stretched forth his hand and vexed certain of the church. And he killed James the brother of John with the sword. And because he saw it pleased the Jews he proceeded forth and took it even further to try and kill Peter also. Then were the days of the unleavened bread. And when he had apprehended him, he put him in the prison and delivered him into four quaternions of, of soldiers to keep him, intending for Easter to, to bring him forth to the people. Peter, therefore, was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church. Say, the church knew how to pray. One of the things we see in the early churches, they were prayers. They got down on their hands and knees and they began to pray. Not just once, not one prayer meeting. The Bible says church was made with, the, the church made prayer. This is a continual, ongoing, non-ceasing prayer because they were wanting a miracle. They wanted to get Peter out. They had an intent. I think in their minds, like many of us, they had an idea of how God would do it. Many times when we go and pray, we have an idea of how God will fulfill our prayer. We know God wants us to prosper, but we got an idea how. Many times we, but, but, we but, but because we're so dead set or so committed or so married to our ideas, we, don't, we sometimes miss what God's actually doing. I mean, I've seen God take me right to get me left. Have you ever had God take you somewhere and you go, after it's over with, you look back and see how you got to be? You know what I'm saying? And you, you thought A was in another place, but A was over there. And you look back and go, oh, I get it now. Has anybody but me ever been there? Amen. And so here he is. They're waiting. He's in prison. The church is praying. Peter was kept in prison. But prayer was made without ceasing of the church of God for him. And when Herod would have brought him forth, that night Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with him two chains. And the keepers of the door of the prison were kept. And Peter, and behold, an angel of the Lord came and raised him up, saying, Arise quickly. And as his chains fell off of his hands, the angel said to him, Gird thyself and bind thee thy sandals. And so he did. 
And he went and he said to him, Cast thy garment about thee and follow me. He went out, followed him, and wist not that it was true which was done by the angel, but thought or through a vision, when or, or thought he was in a vision. When they passed by the first and second ward, they came into the iron gate, which leads to the city, which opened before them of its own accord, and they went out and passed through the one street, and forthwith the angel departed from him. And when Peter was come himself, he said, Now I know of a surety that the Lord has sent an angel and had delivered me out of the hand of Herod and from all the expectations of the people of the Jews. And when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary. He came to the house of Mary. He came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark. And they were gathered there together praying. They're all praying. They're all praying and asking God to deliver Peter. And I really think that they thought somehow that he was going to go to court and there was going to be some, some relief for the situation. They did not in any way anticipate that God was going to send an angel cause the chains to fall off, open the gates of the prison. He even had to walk. <laughs> I mean, we don't think about that, but Peter had to walk. They, the angel only got him out of the gate. Then he had to make a decision where he was going to go. He could have went anywhere, but guess where he went? To the house where they were praying. So God put it in his heart to go to the house where they were praying. Well, see, they weren't ready for that. That didn't look like what they prayed for. See, sometimes we think we didn't get an answer. But we didn't realize the answer had come. The answers, listen, listen. So, so here we go, here we go. Listen, listen, listen. So he gets to the house. Listen to the story. And Peter knocked on the door. Obviously it was locked. Needed to be open. Peter knocked on the door. And a damsel, a little girl, came and hearkened named Rhoda. First of all, I love this because she was acquainted with his voice. <laughs> In order for her to have heard that voice. See, I know my wife. And if my wife was 10 aisles over in Walmart, and she screamed out, I'd know it was her. I'd know it was her. In order for them to know it was Peter, for her to know she was acquainted, her ear was tuned up to that voice. Her ear was tuned up to what that sounded like. See, today, we have one of the problems in the church. We're not tuned up. We need to tune our ear up to the Word of God. We need to tune our ear up to, our, to the Word, to what it says. We're tuned up to everything but the Word. I just want to throw that in there. That's a little speculation on my point. But she at least knew his voice. Somebody say amen. Amen. She was tuned up to his voice. But I love this. And so when she heard his voice, she stood, he, uh, she heard his voice. And Peter, Peter's voice, she opened not the gate. But ran for gladness and told Peter that, that told how Peter stood at the gate. And they said unto her, Thou art mad, but she constantly affirmed that it was even so. Then said they, It is an angel. But Peter continued knocking. And when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. In other words, they were freaked out 
because this isn't what they had expected for God to do. I don't think the people who were in North Carolina thought that their, that their church would float down the street. I got a feeling they didn't think it was going to float down the street, turn the corner, hit the corner store, ride on up, get a good wind, and head on up to the place where they had prayed for it to go. They had no expert. Can you imagine the marvel and excitement when they saw it sitting on the land? They built it and put it on wood, on, on rocks, and it floated away onto the land. See, you don't know how God's going to do it, but sometimes you miss the point. You, you, you've been standing waiting for God to do it the way you thought he would do it, but, but you've but you missed the point. Here's the problem most people face when it comes to this situation. They're in there praying. They're praying like crazy. They're praying that God will do it. They're, the God opened the prison, get him out, find a way to release Peter. He's knocking on the door. Of all the people, one girl heard the voice, walked over to the door. Here's the problem. She didn't open the door. She didn't open the door. In prayer, there comes a moment when God brings it to the door. When God will bring you to it or bring it to you. And you gotta switch from praying you gotta switch from Lord, please, to, to, to put your hand on the doorknob and open the door. There comes a moment when you got to see, see, she could have just, she, when she went back in, I want you to think about this. She should have walked the miracle in with her. Oh, come on now, come on now. That was just too good right there. No wonder they thought that she was crazy because she, when she walked back in, she was telling them about a miracle they hadn't seen yet. So many people out there shouting before they walk the miracle in and they lose out on the miracle because they're still standing at the door knocking. They done got excited. They done gone to dancing. But unless you open the door and let the miracle in. You may not know how God's going to do it. You may not know how God's going to bring it. But when it's there, you've got to know how to get it. You've got to open the door. Somebody shout out, you've got to open the door. You've got to open the door. Don't stand there and wait for God to open the door. So if God will open the door, no man can shut. No, God will get you to the door. And he'll have it knocking on the door. And he'll set it free and loose it. And get it into a place for you to have it. But you got to open the door. You have to open the door. You got to take the miracle by the hand. You got to walk the miracle in. At least Rhoda. She goes in and she says, Whoa, Peter's at the door. Them good praying folk who were all ready for God to do the miracle. 
somehow they missed the fact that he had done it. Did they really expect it? Had they really expected it when she said he's at the door and they were praying for it, I have a feeling they would have gone and opened the door. The Bible says when you pray, believe that you receive. Why were they so confused? Why was it so hard for them to understand when she walked up and said, hey, Peter's at the door. No, he's not. You're crazy. I tell you today, you go and tell somebody what God's doing for you. You go and testify. And I'll tell you what, you start getting God on the inside. You start working in God's field. You start doing God's kind of thing. People are going to call you crazy. They're going to make fun of you. You're going to look dumb sometimes. Sometimes you're going to look like you're off of your rocker. You don't know what you're talking about. But thank God this little girl just, the Bible says she kept on saying it. She kept on, no, you don't understand. The miracle's at the door. No, you don't understand. Peter's at the door. No, you don't understand. Peter's at the door. You don't understand. Don't you understand. Peter's come on with me. Listen to me, church. Your miracle is on the other side of that door. Your miracle is on the other side of that door. Your miracle is on the other side of that door. We don't have to be afraid of what's on the other side of the door. Oh, hallelujah. 